All right, in this episode of 51 Vets, we sit down with Jeff Bestrong, who is a partner at HKW. Jeff, would you mind giving an overview about what is HKW, what are you doing there, and then we can rewind a bit on uh, your, your career path. Right. Well, first of all, I'm really excited to do this. I respect you've all committed a meaningful portion of your lives to uh, the country's service and want to thank you. What I've done, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how I got here, but uh, I'm now a partner at HKW. We're a middle market private equity firm focused on business services and health and wellness. Um, we're investing out of our fifth fund. We have 15 existing portfolio companies. We've exited 27 others. I joined to help manage that, that fund, but also to launch a new tech fund really to focus on uh, highly recurring revenue, software, and other technology deals. So really a new, a new area of focus for us where we'll raise a new fund. Awesome. And maybe before we go through your career overview, let's go around the table and get uh, some intros. Uh, Tyler, would you mind kicking off? Yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, so Tyler Van Horn, really glad to be here. Um, I am three months out from finishing a 20-year Army career. Um, the majority of that was in Special Forces, uh, 12 combat deployments, um, I'm looking eager to transition to a finance career and looking for an opportunity to find a way to kind of leverage high pressure leadership and problem solving to help a private equity firm kind of maximize return from their portfolio. So kind of an operating partner type of role. Uh, unique though is I don't have a master's degree, an MBA um, or any finance background. So really have to get partnered with the right kind of firm that's willing to kind of coach and mentor someone along and knows how to leverage the leadership experiences I do have. Awesome. And Matt? Hey, I'm Matt Archuleta. I just got out of the military after 10 years, uh, got out as an Army Special Forces Green Beret, and I'm a first year MBA candidate at Yale School of Management. Uh, just finished my first semester, and as I'm being exposed to to this whole new world of of business, I'm I'm really attracted to private equity and finance in general. Uh, so I'm here to just uh, pick your brain and and learn as much as I can. So thanks for your right. time. Awesome. And uh, Matt, actually, can we adjust your camera just a little bit? There you go. We're getting we're getting like down here. <laughs> All right, Mike. How's it going? It's a pleasure to be here and uh, meet you. Mike Loray, I just finished a 20-year or 20-plus year career in the SEAL teams. Uh, retired master chief, I do have uh, an MBA, which I got while I was in. I also finished up a seven-month internship over at an independent sponsor that's here locally in Virginia Beach. So I got a little bit of the M&A uh, by-side exposure. Uh, looking to pursue a career, I, I was really focused kind of in the business development lane. Um, but now I've expanded into the operating you know, role as well. Uh, looking geography wise, uh, somewhere that, uh, you know, that I, I don't even care about geography anymore. At this point, I was looking at Florida or like Texas, a place that is VA friendly, but now I just want to get my foot in the door in order to actually continue to develop the skills that I've, I've learned over the last six months, seven months. Awesome. So, so Jeff, kind of with that context, love to turn over to you and to kind of walk through the, the steps in your career and then going into maybe, especially on the investment banking route, because it is a, you know, kind of a first step uh, often, um, but love to hear kind of your background. Yeah. And, and I, I, did, I didn't follow the traditional path into investment banking either. 
so that might be helpful. I graduated from a preppy liberal arts college in 1984. Uh, only one student uh, out of that class went into the military. It was actually my roommate who graduated and is dressed whites into the Marines, but definitely not an orientation there. I always kind of believed I'd missed something valuable. I was a government major. Um, I also studied in, at uh, University of York in England and got interested in kind of comparative economic development. I was going to, I, I did believe I was going to go into government and had accepted to get a graduate degree uh, at the University of Virginia in international relations, um, probably thinking I'd end up in a foreign service uh, career. But uh, I, I was advised by a consultant that if I went to get a graduate degree in international relations, I'd end up in academia or some low, growth, low, low opportunity government job and I should go into the private sector. Of course, there was a huge recession in 1984 that I didn't really understand about. And so I, I, I said, okay, I'm not going to school now. And I started looking for jobs. I ended up banging nails for the, for the beginning. Eventually got a job working for a subsidiary of Arthur D. Little, a consulting firm that's no longer around. And then I went back and got a joint MBA and Chinese studies where I studied uh, the PRC's access to the international capital markets. And China's entry into kind of international finance was a, was a, was a, a new notion back then. And I actually studied with uh, I had two thesis readers. One was uh, Michael Oxenberg, who was banned from China until Deng Xiaoping personally invited him back to China, explain his view on what was going on there, and then became the president's advisor uh, to China. And then the other professor was a was an international finance professor who would spend four days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where I was in grad school, and three days in Singapore advising the big international banks. It was a great experience for me. And um, I really thought I was gonna spend that time on the China side, but I ended up pursuing my future wife uh, back to Boston and I joined uh, Bank Boston, uh, which had a big international presence, but their big international presence was in Latin America. They had 3000 people in Latin America and ended up doing structured deals um, into Latin America. After my first year, my team had been doing a lot of name lending to big international firms and I was the bottom guy on the run. And so they lost a lot of money and they blamed it all on the new guy. So my first review said everything that went wrong in that group was my fault. Needless to say, A, I was shocked and B, I figured my career was over. But uh, a, a senior officer, a credit officer knew what was going on, grabbed me, went around my team to my division exec rewrote my review, the team ahead of me got demoted. And within a couple of years, I had the most profitable portfolio in the bank um, uh, and got the chairman's award as the most junior professional. Part of the reason was I was doing structured deals for companies like uh, General Motors and Ford, et cetera, to try to move money around very complicated legal and regulatory environments in the emerging markets, particularly Latin America, but also some in Asia. It was Glass-Steagall back then, so commercial banks such as Bank Boston could not do investment banking, but we could do it internationally. So we were banned domestically and we formed an emerging markets investment bank. And I started to do these structured deals within the context of that. But then some of the big public companies said, can you help us find joint venture partners to acquire assets uh, overseas? And in particular, Latin America was privatizing a large portion of their telecom sector. So I got hired by the CEO of Comcast, by Verizon's board, et cetera, 
to lead kind of these structured deals, uh, kind of really semi M&A deals in Latin America when I had absolutely no experience or knowledge. In fact, my bank only allowed me to do it because they didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and, but we did, we did an all right job. Glass-Steagall dropped. We formed a domestic investment bank because what I was doing was profitable. They brought me over to that. We acquired a, a well-known technology-focused investment bank called Robertson Stevens. I was in that for a few years, kind of sensing that it was going to blow up and that the commercial bank and the investment bank weren't getting along well. And in fact, Robertson Stevens got shut down shortly after I left. I, I left to head up telecom investment banking uh, for another firm, Tucker Anthony, which had been taken public uh, by a private equity firm. It was listed on New York Stock Exchange. I was there for a couple of years before that got acquired. And then a bunch of my colleagues said, we want you to come with us to go down to Richmond, Virginia to meet this firm, Harris Williams, who you've never heard of, and that doesn't do technology. And we want to talk about joining them. And I said, that makes absolutely no sense. I'm a tech telecom banker. Uh, I, I, Virginia is far from Boston and uh, they're just a generalist from that, that I've never heard of. And so I went down there and we'll talk about this more. I, it's all about the people, right? So I fell in love with the people and they were something I didn't think really existed, which was a, an investment bank who had really smart people, all of whom I liked. And so I joined uh, and then soon thereafter launched the technology investment banking group. We grew that from 40 people, the firm from 40 people to 400 people. Um, we sold the firm to uh, PNC Bank. They let us run it. I, my group was, was the only group not based out of Richmond, Virginia. And the uh, teams in Boston, London, and San Francisco really focused on doing uh, M&A deals for technology private equity firms. That was the core of our practice. And effectively, over the 18 years I did that, I grew up alongside all of the uh, successful tech private equity firms. And those partners are my, are my friends. Um, and eventually I said, okay, I'm, I'm doing this. It's, it's great. I'm highly compensated, but we sold the firm. There's no equity upside. And since I'm involved in helping these private equity guys acquire assets, play a consigliere role to their management teams while they own them, and then helping them exit it, I should probably be on that side of the table. So I left and then I joined a, a long-term friend of mine, uh, Ted Kramer, who was running uh, HKW to, again, help them out with the, the, the existing fund and launch a new technology fund for them. So we're in the early days of that and it's just been a tremendous amount of fun. But you can tell in my career, I've had to, to, to chuck and jive different directions to, to stay uh, in an upward trajectory. And it's been a lot of fun. I spent a lot of time in the places that I really liked and the places that I, that I didn't um, enjoy as much were, were probably some of those shorter lived experiences. <laughs> well put. <laughs> um, so at, at Harris Williams for banking, did you say that you grew the, um, the whole team grew from 40 to 400 when you were there? Right, and my, my group, which you know, didn't exist when I joined was about 20% of the, of the P&L by the time I left. And how many people were on the TMT team when you left? 35. Um, can you break down the structure of, for example, like the TMT team? How many analysts, how many associates, how many VPs? And then would you mind just kind of giving an overview of what the basic difference is in the function day-to-day -day for each of those positions? And then Matt, Mike, and Tyler, over to you guys. Great. 
Well, I'll, I'll, I'd look at it this way. It's really just a question of what are the what are the teams that you need to, to tackle these MA deals? And so one, you obviously have a, a lead uh, uh, managing director, but maybe you have two. Maybe one brings uh, strength in a certain vertical and the other one brings some other expertise. And then you, then you have a full tier. So effectively, this deal team is going to be five people, a managing director, a director, a VP, an associate, and an analyst. So I'll work up from the bottom. The analyst is straight out of undergrad school. Uh, when I joined, we hired exclusively from top tier uh, finance undergrad majors. And we were, we were a highly regarded place to go. And so we were very successful at that. Eventually, we opened it up more broadly um, to, to even kids from liberal arts schools, et cetera, when we really knew we could profile the kind of individual we wanted to help them grow. But the job is basically 24 by 7 for two years where you're doing all of the crunch work, uh, uh, analytical uh, and uh, qualitative to support these deals. And I'll, I'll talk about the criteria I have for, for hiring people at this level because it's the same all the way up, up the chain, but I'll do that in a second. Above them sit the associates. The associates have done something like that. They've either been analysts at, at banks or had a comparable experience, have gone back to get an MBA and are graduating from, from uh, your MBA programs. Uh, sometimes they um, had some prior experience and we'll talk about our, our propensity to hire people that had gone military to MBA and then hire them directly. We were, we were very uh, keen to hire people with that background. Above them are the VPs. The VPs have been an associate for a lot, at least a couple of years. And while the associate was overseeing the analysts and making sure that all of the, the core elements of the, of the deal were getting put together, the VP was more strategic and incorporating um, the work of the analyst and associate and really playing the quarterback role on the deal. The director probably brought in some vertical expertise and the managing director had some combination of relationship with the, with the buyer. He sourced the deal in the first place, some industry expertise, deep M&A transaction expertise, all of which you could bring to bear. So that's the, that's the chain within a deal. Now, all those same people are focused on doing a number of other things. When I joined, we launched a tech group. So Harris Williams, the general's firm had technology capability. But soon as the private equity world developed rapidly and you had these large, larger and larger tech private equity firms, that wasn't good enough and you needed to have sub-vertical expertise. So we ended up building within those same M&A ranks, expertise in verticals. We had a FinTech team, we had a healthcare IT team, we had a infrastructure software team, et cetera, et cetera. And those were the same people that would tend to work on those deals, but not necessarily. So they would be responsible for market mapping, tracking, tracking the, the, the companies in the sector, spending time with the private equity firms that like those particular sectors, as well as doing the transaction work. And what we really did is made sure since we had, we made sure we, we winnowed out all the B players, the A players that we kept, we were able to swap them out across uh, areas of vertical expertise and across deal teams and across geography to make sure we could always put the best team on the field for any given opportunity. Awesome. All right, let me let me hit the let me hit the criteria for hiring. It's really simple for me, and it's 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 been uh, uh, my focus for a long time, and I and I tell people this at every level. It, the people have to have really good quantitative skills. They really need to be able to model uh, 
uh, and understand a, a business. You need to have really good qualitative skills. You need to be able to articulate what's going on with the business and communicate that uh, in the context of the industry and um, the, the broader market as a whole. They need to be um, able to sit down with the CEO and feel really comfortable from an analyst level on. I want I want to make sure we only have people that are that are able to be to present themselves in the firm in the in the most uh, positive light and are able to to let management team feel like they're being left in good hands even if the, if they're a more junior level. Um, they need to be someone who's willing to work 24/7 uh, and just have tremendous uh, pride and effort in terms of delivering what we need to do and always tends to be very tight timeframes and they're ready to walk through walls. And lastly, they got to be somebody I want to go out and have a beer with. So pretty much from analyst to managing director, those are the, those are my five key criteria. We, maybe we could do like a little mock interview for Mike since you're looking at this on the either private equity or the, the banking side. And Mike, can you have a little context of like what you're trying to be leveled at? And Jeff, you know, over to you, the two of you guys, and just kind of like the questions you would typically ask and maybe some feedback. Uh, yeah, okay, let's, let's kick this off. Um, so kind of the area of the space that I've been targeting is uh, specifically being that, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a fairly older individual, you know, I have a little bit of experience somewhere else but I'm also kind of new to the entire financial industry and kind of looking at the, uh, you know, the financials and do the analysis. And I know that my competition, even if I do have an MBA, is still well, well ahead of me when it does come to transaction, the analytics, the modeling skills, the LBO understanding. Um, so I'm trying to sandwich myself in between kind of a senior associate level to a junior VP. I was targeting mainly a kind of the business development um, lanes because I thought my soft skills complement really well with it versus the transaction side, or I was also targeting kind of the operating role, um, not necessarily the operating partner being that these are seasoned CEOs and individuals that do have a plethora of like a winning record that's tapped into it, but more of somebody that could come in as a chief of staff somewhere or a director of operations under the actual operating partner or CEO that's tapped for it. So then I could learn under that develop the skills in that industry, whether it's tech or manufacturing, whatever the actual space is, and then grow and then, you know, kind of pivot and, and work up my, tr work up the track later on, um, you know, throughout career number two. So that's, that's kind of uh, a broad generalization of where I've been trying to target and who I've been speaking to um, and conducting interviews for kind of those positions. Right. Well, let, let me, let me give it, share a few thoughts and then we can do the mock interview. One is, um, I think your notion of, of business, business development, where it relies less on some of the quantitative bits, that, that, that track makes a lot of sense. In terms of the stepping on the transaction side, I, I think there's a reasonable approach. You're kind of saying slot in between the associate and the VP. We've often hired people that have, that are very credible, strong skill sets, but they don't necessarily have the uh, knowledge to supervise the people below them in the specific tasks which we're being asking them to do. And so we'll bring them in as, as kind of a senior associate and let them kind of learn on the job with some close leadership from a seasoned VP and say, hey, you know, when you get your hands around this skill set, then we'll make you a VP without it necessarily being, hey, I'm starting out at the bottom rung as an associate. 
And we find that people that have strong business skills uh, and attributes, they're often able to quickly get their, their head around the specific skills that they need to do this job and are in a position to move up rapidly. Perfect, yeah. Okay. All right, so we're going to kick it off. Jordan disappeared, so I just see his uh, wonderful pictures. Yeah, there you absolutely. go. He's back. All right. So what? 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna back into what I'm effectively telling you all to say. But you know, my question to you first and foremost is: What are the skills, attributes, and experiences you have that you think translate into relevance for this job? I I think a lot of us. So I'm gonna. Speak speak for the group here, being that it's kind of a group interview, we, we, we do come with a, a strong analytical skill. Uh, we are able to assess and understand human capital really well because we do have a, a background when it comes to management leadership. Um, our stress management ability is, uh, I think, top-notch, uh, unparalleled towards most people in different industries. We're also quick learners, and that's one of the key attributes that we bring is we might not have a skill, but our, our passion and our attention to detail and our drive to actually make things perfect um, will allow us to actually learn. And we're all very, very driven individuals. So I think taking those, uh, just some of the soft skills, um, it applies really well when it comes to whether it's investment bank and private equity or you know other lanes within the financial industry. That's great. But I, and I would, I would, so you hit the skill, the skill part um, and, 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 and attributes. I think stress management is like a, is a key attribute that, that um, your, your collective experiences give, give strength to. What, what about experiences that you think translate into um, a finance job? Well, you mentioned one of the things you look for is from the bottom person or the most junior person, the most senior, the ability to sit down with CEOs and feel comfortable and represent well, right? So that's one of the aspects in the finance industry. Many of us have sat in front of generals. I've, I've spoken to presidents. I've spoken to head diplomats. So the level of comfort that we have in engaging people at various levels to include people that um, you said likability or the ability to drink a beer with somebody. We're also able to relate to, um, you know, custodians. It doesn't really matter. We have a wide ranging um, skills. On the finance side of the house, what does do well? So packaging up kind of a SIM, right? You, as a bank on the sell side, you're marketing a company in order to get it and get the best valuation for your clients. What we are able to do is because we do something similar to that with PowerPoint and building up, you know, uh, strategies or documents or plans, we're able to actually we package it up and we go, hey, this is a service we have and we sell that to whether it's our senior leadership or it's to an adjacent unit or to the state department, whoever it is, we're doing essentially the same thing as we're trying to actually package up the best attributes of us, put a little bit of marketing in there and then sell them that plan and putting that together, I think relates really well when it comes to actually packaging up SIMs. I think that's great. In fact, you know, frankly, I, I, would, I would message that, hey, we, we need to do it, uh, uh, deep analytical work to understand many of the things we're doing. We need to do qualitative work. We need to sell, you just, as, just as you might be selling a, a, a business or selling your services to a, to a private equity firm, we needed to sell, uh, our skill set, our approach internally within the military, and then maybe getting some anecdotes around that would be would be really valuable. And, and anecdotes are important. When we when we pitch 
deals, we have someone be the 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 play-by-play -play guy, another person be the color guy, jumps in with with anecdotal stories that give life to what what we're saying. And you want to do that if it's just you interviewing, you want to try to balance those two, answer the straight question and then give an anecdote, which I think is great coming from the military because everyone respects what you all have accomplished um, to, to, to balance those two things and try to relate your experience to what the, the, the finance world might be like. So, and, and Jeff, maybe to add on to the industry, uh, Mike, for you, because you guys have done so much Intel work, like when it comes to doing an industry section of a pitch, playing up that kind of Intel angle of being able to do the research in depth and can do that part of a, a pitch, for example, or doing the buyer research and knowing how to go two or three levels deeper into, into research. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you think about it again, just, just to, to translate it, you, you do deep analytical work. You, there's tons of great anecdotes you can have. You talked about the CIM. You can easily say how you, how you sell internally within the military. It's a tough sell. Um, yeah. The role the, in the walk through walls is a given. You don't need to spend a lot of time on that one. Um, the, the, you did a great job of explaining what's, you know, your, your interaction with um, other senior professionals in your, in, your, in your field, and that's an easy one. Um, and then probably the go out and have a beer part's probably the, the easiest part. So what I would really do is, is try to spend my time on those, on those first two. Um, I think coming out of the military, the most important, do I have the analytical skills um, or can I bring my analytical skills to bear in the context of this job? And can I package those up and, 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 and communicate those both verbally and in writing in a way that's compelling? All right. And, and, uh, and Mike, you also have a lot of, like you have deal experience on working on a little bit portfolio. <laughs> Not enough. I want a lot more. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> right. And you know, the logical question for you is talk about this, this, this experience over the past seven months. What did, what did you take away from it? And oh, Jesus, the, the learning curve was phenomenal. It was, it was absolutely a blast. And I lucked out being that it's a small independent sponsor. So it was really intimate. And then they provided me access to a lot of tools to help, you know, refine a lot of the skills that uh, I didn't necessarily come in with, right? The, the modeling, the Wall Street prep, and then sitting there and just explaining, you know, why some ad backs matter, some don't, um, you know, really the, the assessment and how they view the valuation aspect of it. I, I couldn't find it in whatever book I read, it didn't explain it. It, it was very regimented and seeing actual people where it's kind of an art being applied to that science, um, what was phenomenal. And then it was the reps, uh, being exposed to over 60 different companies and looking at the Sims and trying to analyze it and then trying to actually weed out the fluff from the investment bank or the broker trying to sell it, you know, and just looking at the nitty gritty of based off their investment criteria and what they're going to need the cost of capital to their investors because they don't have an actual fund um, and understanding how that entire process made sense. And then the competition based off of when we submit IOI, okay, can we make it to management meetings from management meetings? Can we get the actual LOI? LOI, when we're doing the due diligence in that process, you know, how are we going to compete? Because it's not just our analytics. It's also you're competing in a very, very 
constrained space and being exposed to that, what other levels of um, how else can you increase probability in a succeeding in a deal? Because, I mean, you don't make a deal in a year, you don't eat. So it was, it's a, it was a lot of fun and it, it was a very steep learning curve. Um, and I just, yeah, I'm incredibly grateful that I had the opportunity with them. But as most independent sponsors, they're so lean that bringing on other people um, long term and especially kind of, you know, the trajectory of where I'm looking to go and where I'm looking to fall don't necessarily meet kind of the, uh, the, the baggage that I come with. Yeah, well, I think everything you say is, is spot on and, and demonstrating your ability to translate that, you know, relatively limited experience into an understanding of the, of, of the industry is, is compelling. I think what you all have to recognize is you have the maturity, the, the, the thought processes, the, the, the drive to be super successful in, you know, whether it's investment banking or private equity, there's no rocket science here. There's just a fundamental knowledge base that you need to, you need to plug. And so I think, again, demonstrating how you've got skills that will let you get quickly uh, uh, synthesized new information and um, leverage it to, to be able to do the job and acknowledging that you're, you know, you, there, there's some elements that you're going to need to play catch up on, but demonstrating how you all are, your, your day to day is used to dealing with the unexpected and the difficult and that you're, you're, you're poised and ready to, to do that. Um, and I think obviously um, having an MBA is, is more helpful than not. So, so Tyler, you, for you, you, I think you're going to take a, a slightly different approach in terms of how you come into the market. Um, and I think that, again, I think you've got all the same attributes everyone else has. You've got to find a way to get that, those, those fundamental skills um, on the finance side. And I think that may be starting, you know, maybe more to, to, to find a place where you can fill in some of these kind of core analytical skills, or maybe it's a slightly different position, whether it's uh, more in the business dev, dev side where they're relying less on on the analytics. 